Welcome to Tuning In. It's episode 11. I'm Terry. I'm Kenzie. Yeah, so hey, we're on uh, into fall almost now. Last, yeah. Probably last summer podcast. Yeah, we started in April, so. Yeah, so we're going to go strong in the fall. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. I am too. We've got some tricks of our sleeves, hopefully <laughs> soon, so. Well, uh, we have Childish Gambino and B-52's research coming up real shortly. Yes. But tell them about our some of our new listeners. Oh, yes. We wanted to thank our newest listeners from Texas, which, you know, our United States, but then we also have Switzerland, and I don't know who you are, but that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, please tune in again. Yeah. yeah, and so if anyone wants to keep up with us who is already listening, you know, just give us ratings, reviews, chat us up on our Instagram at tuning.in.podcast, and I don't know, we both have access, so the, I don't know, talk to us. <laughs> well yeah follow us watch out so uh, a couple things in the music world that were kind of cool that caught my eye okay, here before we dive things. in yeah you know so dave Grohl, the foo fighters has been challenging drum offs or drum challenges to uh listeners okay randomly i haven't really didn't know about that until the other day but what was kind of caught my attention is a little girl a 10 year old in uh england i think it is nandy bushel uh, tra- uh challenged him Oh. Yeah, and she is amazing. She really? she just killed it on her version of uh, the Foo Fighters Evermore. Okay. And she's just full of energy, and it's really fun to watch their interaction. And then there's a few different uh, YouTube videos of them kind of going at it back is and it forth. Is it live? It's not live, but, well. Well, if they're going yeah. back and forth, like, how do they? Well, through a video, like a video to you. And oh, then, I got yeah, you. Like I that. got you. Yeah, so. Um, he had another challenge for her, and I don't know if there's a been she's actually done that yet mm-hmm. or not. But it, it, they're worth the time. They've been kind of going viral. That's cool, though. So, so yeah. So if you haven't heard that, uh, Dave Grohl, Nandy Bushel, drum challenge, mm-hmm. uh, we'll, you'll find that. And I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, last week you researched sticks and told us yes, all about I it. Did today is the 38th anniversary of the. Uh, debut of Pieces of Eight, wow. Renegade, and Ugh. Blue Collar Man, and a cherished album. And I remember that when I got that. I don't remember if I got it on the first day or if it was for my birthday, which is coming up. But I remember <laughs> on the uh, subtle plug. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, I don't need a new copy. I'm okay. But, uh, I'm, uh, Everybody sends yeah, some copies I've, of Pieces of Eight. I've got some digital versions, but. Uh, I just remember, you know, getting the vinyl, and uh, you know, I, I was really pumped up by then. I listened to Grand Illusion and then mm-hmm. Equinox and Crystal Ball, and mm-hmm. this new album just came out. And I remember putting the needle down and the song "Great White Hope" with James mm-hmm. Young and roaring out from the start. And that was pretty cool. So that is cool. Good memories. It was you know sunny day. It was awesome. <laughs> Seventy-five degrees. And then uh, for other uh, progressive rock nerds, uh, we, you know, in my age group. We uh, have a new album out there for uh, fans of Kansas. Yeah, and I listened to that today. And I'm not a huge Kansas fan. I like Kansas, but, you know, not my favorite. But i mm-hmm. uh, got some great tunes over the years. I listen. It's called Absence of Presence. I was doing some work today, and it's awesome. It's yeah? such a good album. Yeah, wow. And they've had a lot of personnel changes, but they've kind of done it right. And it sounds like the classic stuff they did in the 70s, but it's got a real... up. Uh, uh, updated full sound it's it's really good yeah 
and you know I was just going to listen to a little bit and probably probably not stick with it I was mm-hmm. thinking and no I, it was really good all the way through wow well hey tell us about childish gambino childish gambino yeah this is a little different type of deal for I me. Was, um I, yeah well yeah so his name his real name is Donald Glover Jr such a cool name to me yeah and I you know my overall impression is just a very creative innovative guy um, you know, he's got, he's an actor, he's a singer, he's a comedian, he's a writer, he's a producer, he's a director. I mean, I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. I, I just knew a little bit about his acting. And so, uh, he was hired by Tina Fey for the writer as a writer for 30 rock TV at age 23. Really? Yeah. And so she saw him somewhere and saw something in him and he didn't have any experience in that. And she said, come on, I want you on the team. So he got in the TV that way. Um, the show uh, Community, which we've been watching we, a lot. We like that show yeah, a lot. Yeah, you got me into that, among other things. And <laughs> portrayed uh, Troy Barnes on the, you know, on Community. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> he was one of the co-stars on the show that was blown away. Uh, you know, our, he was one. He blew away his co-stars on his, his dance moves and some mm-hmm. of his, a little bit of his music, some of his singing. I Yeah, I think I was telling you about that. Like, Alison Brie, his co-star, she was like, he would just have us listen to his music casually. You know, he was our acting co-star, right. but then we were like, wait, 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 wait. Like, we're all actors, but you're, like, very talented. <laughs> like, we didn't yeah. know this. Yeah. So I did some backtracking here, and he was in the movie The Martian. Oh. Yeah, and so he was a rocket scientist. You know, he was coming up with a plan to save Matt Damon in <laughs> his peril. And so there was a scene in there where uh, he got up, he was woken up by one of the other, his boss Mm -hmm. in the movie, and they needed, you know, uh, a quick solution and all this stuff. And he was working on it, and, you know, you could obviously tell he had been up all night, and he slept on the couch, and Mm -hmm. he he wakes up and slips and falls and then gets back up. Well, that was a total accident. He really did slip and fall, and and so the director of the movie uh, wanted to keep that in, yeah, so. Wow. Yeah, so I'd seen a thing with... Oh, uh, improv. Mm-hmm. So I saw him in an interview. He said, yeah, he's kept that going. <laughs> he was Simba's voice in Disney's Lion King remake. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. I heard him on the, the Can You Feel the Love Time. I haven't seen the movie yet. No. But I was listening to it, and I was like, wait, it's like Beyonce and Childish Gambino. I was like, this is crazy. And he sang the version of Hakuna Matata. Mm. Yeah, there's a version with that. And oh, wow. So, yeah, you can stream that. Oh, yeah. Plug. It's got a lot of hits. He has a TV show. He's a writer, producer, and uh, the the star of the show Atlanta. I think it's is that on Amazon. I'm not sure, but I've heard of it. I've never Amazon seen or Netflix, it. and I'm not sure which. I one think it is. it's not on Netflix. I think it probably is like Amazon or Hulu. Okay, so, <laughs> one of the many streaming yes. platforms. Yes. So yeah. So anyway, he's all you know. He's the big guy in that. He was in a Star Wars sequel. Oh. Yeah, and I can't, it was, I can't remember which one it was. So, you know, getting to the music part, well, he listened to his father's music when he was young. So he listened to a lot of Hall & Oates, a uh, band called Funkadelic, uh, The Police, and then a band called Parliament. So that was kind of what's going on in his uh, household with his dad. And then uh, he released several mixtapes, kind of like, those are, I guess those are kind of like EPs, mm-hmm. just, you know, short with a few songs on them and probably put him online or I don't know how he got him out there but they received pretty good feedback you know he was getting like he was saying from the show you know mm-hmm. they're just like wow you've you got some talent mm-hmm. so then 
Glover came up with this name, Childish Gambino, in college with his friends. And they were goofing around with this online. It's a Wu-Tang online name generator. <laughs> I think I've heard of this. Yeah. And so he would, they were just putting their names in, and it would generate new names for uh -huh. them. And then his came up with Childish Gambino. And he just knew. They, they stopped laughing. And they were like, this is a perfect fit. Oh. And so he just went with that from there on out with his uh, music persona. I love that, that. There's no background. It's just like, oh, yep. Yep. Yeah. It was just like all of a sudden. Yeah, this is it. That's awesome. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool because I was wondering, how do you come up with that? Mm -hmm. So, you know, mixed, he was doing the mixtape thing and then uh, got signed to his first record deal. And he came out with his first LP in 2011. It was called Camp. You know, it's primary or a rap, primarily a rap LP and uh, described more as a hipster than hip hop. And I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? No. The difference? No, I cannot tell you. I have no idea. But I, what I, I drew from it, from my very vague knowledge of rap, is it was mainly a rap album. Mm -hmm. Does that sound accurate? Would you yeah, categorize like it like that? Yeah, I feel like I could make up something to make that make sense, but I don't have mm -hmm. a good answer. So it received mixed reviews. Uh, there were some singles on there, Bonfire and Heartbeat. Oh, good songs. And then, you know, after he released that, he fractured his foot. So it really, or like I said, delayed his tour a bit, but I think he did do a tour. Mm. So, yeah, and then the second LP, kind of similar. Um, it was kind of mixed reviews again, and some really seemed to like his music, and others were in the reviews who didn't take him seriously as a rapper. Mm -hmm. I'm not a very good judge of that right. at all, so uh, I'm just kind of repeating that. But critics would say he's not cool, but he didn't seem to care about that. You know, that didn't really phase him, mm -hmm. and I don't think he was really too worried about that because he had greater sights on his right. uh, music progression. So this uh, had 3005. You had mentioned you like that. 3, I do like that 3005. song. 3005. And that okay. album has a lot of hits from it. Yeah, Crawl, mm -hmm. Sweatpants, mm -hmm. and uh, Telegraph Avenue. I don't know. I, I know I've heard it, but... And I'll come clean here. I listened to mm -hmm. some of that, and I didn't listen to all of it. That's okay. I, didn't really identify with it real well. Yeah. But uh, obviously, very talented. Yeah. And all that. I'm just not a. Yeah, I rap. I try. Guy. I really tried. That's okay. You don't <laughs> but, have to transform. So, but, 2014, he put an EP, kind of like a mixtape, a little bit more sophisticated one, called Kawaii, and it seemed like there was a, it was a preview to a further transition he was going to make on okay. his music on his third and fourth LPs. In fact, uh, I think there was a tune on here. Was it um, Sober. Oh, I like, yeah, I forgot sober. about Sober, and that, I really like Sober a That's lot. That's my favorite one from that one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Sober, and I thought, okay, you wouldn't really know at the time, but that was really a shift right there, I noticed, mm -hmm. that for his next two albums. And so, I I, and I don't know if that was intentional or what, but it kind of seemed that way. So we got the third album. It's just huge. Awaken mm -hmm. My Love. And I got into this LP much more than the first two. It's uh, very different. So he spent several months listening to music his father played and influenced, really influenced him. And so he started listening to that. Um, he departed that, that hip-hop or hipster style, and he started doing more actual singing. I think there's a little bit of rapping in there maybe, but not a lot. Yeah. And so it's got a more of a 70s R&B infusion into it, and it's, it's really experimental. In fact, it's kind of Pink Floydish, mm -hmm. Not totally, but you, you can kind of feel some elements in there of Pink Floyd 
in their early days, even before the dark side of the moon, which everybody mm-hmm. knows, uh, there were incredible experimentation going on there. Yeah. Whether it sounded, and it, a lot of people go, wow, that sounds really weird. Mm-hmm. You know, made dark side of the moon tame. Yeah. And there's not that experimentation in here too. So if somebody in my generation were to say, well, that's weird, you know, I go, yeah. well, go listen to early Floyd, you know. And, oh, right. You yeah. Know, yeah. I'd take you down that. So it they're, began. Yeah. So they're, they're kind of experimenting at different types of music, but uh, there's a lot of experimentalism in there. Yeah. So the singles, Me and Your Mama, mm. and then uh, Redbone, mm-hmm. Terrified, was another one of the singles. So. So it got nominated for a lot of awards. So what I found interesting, and this is the part that maybe was my most uh, interesting part of the research, was Gambino wanted to connect with fans in a different way in concerts. He set up a traditional way. So he designed this non-traditional concert called the Pharos. And so it was a, he called it a shared vibration. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And so he he built, got this dome constructed in Joshua Tree, California. It's like out in the desert. Uh Yeah. And so it was kind of like maybe, have you ever heard of the Burning Man thing in Nevada that they do? And so it's kind of like that. Oh. Where it's, you're out there and it's just all focused on the music. Yeah. So it's more of like a festival, but it's not like you have a million different acts. Yeah, exactly. And so he... And then everyone had to check your phones in. You couldn't. He did not want people peering into their phones or recording. He just wanted them to focus on the experience. I love so that. So everyone checked their phones in, or they had that connected experience. And then he had all these visuals up on the dome. He was vision. You know, his vision was to have this. And so he wanted them dancing, like dancing zombies and ghost-like creatures projected projected on the dome. And then so he hired Microsoft to come in. Wow. And, you know, he was saying, this is what I want. I want to do something so visual and different. Yeah. And so they were really struggling because they were trying to get them to do these dance moves. And he goes, nah, those are wrong. And they're like, well, what do you want us to do? I mean, we're <laughs> trying there, you know. And he goes, and then finally they go, you dance. Uh-huh. And then we'll, we'll, we'll digitize that into, you know, and create it into what these ghost-like creatures mm-hmm. and zombies. But we want the moves. You replicate them. So he did. Mm-hmm. So all the stuff they projected was him actually doing the dancing he's to a get great it. dancer i mean he can just he can move in weird ways i feel like i've seen oh yeah and and so then i watched the con a little bit of the concert me and your mama and uh, a few other songs and so he came out dressed in this yellow grass skirt <laughs> yeah and these uh, long cornrows and neon war paint and he's <laughs> nice. out there doing this and there's just all sorts of visuals and all the stuff on the dome uh-huh. and all this stuff um and I couldn't quite figure it out because it looked like he was in back and then all the fans were looking the other way. So I didn't know if what I was looking at was a projection. I couldn't figure it out from the video. So uh-huh. you check if you get a chance to check that I, out. I really want and to. And maybe now. you can help me. I, I was, wasn't, well, it's like I wasn't seeing something correctly or understanding because <laughs> everybody was looking one way. Yeah. And I could see in the background and he's over there. So I don't know if it was a mirror or a projection yeah. on the dome. Anyway, it was interesting. It was just, it sounded like he achieved what he wanted to do. And even your admission included a guidebook, an app-based manifesto about, this kind of sounds Rush 2112 or something, uh, the human condition during the digital age. <laughs> Everybody's got a story <laughs> about that one. Yeah. So uh, so the singles on that were Me and Your Mama, Redbone, and Terrified, which I think I said already, but um, numerous, uh, numerous awards. They were you know, nominated for uh, different categories. And, yeah. 
different things. And then 2018, so you, that was very successful. Mm -hmm. In 2018, you I think you'd mentioned something about Summer Pack, uh, the Summer LP or something. Oh yeah, I've been listening to them. I know that they're not recent, but or well, I mean, I mean somewhat. Uh -huh. I just was very late to the game, so I've been listening to the Summertime Magic song a lot lately. Yeah, so it's got two just two songs on this EP. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Summertime Magic and there's another one called Feels Like Summer. Which oh yeah. flows right into it. And so that was, those are great. So, mm -hmm. you know, kind of so far I like uh, Sober and Summertime Magic and Feels Like Summer. Those are great songs. Kind of like the more recent Childish mm -hmm. Gambino. Yeah, and then he released a single called This Is America. Um, I think the con content I thought it was great. But oh, yeah, I think I showed you the music video for you? that one. Yeah, I don't like that song as much, but I, I yeah. Well, I once I'm, you listen to the message, you're kind of like, yeah. ah, and... I would recommend to anyone watching the video too. If you don't, I don't like think the I saw song, the video. I'll show it to you. It's just very relevant. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, 2019, he released a new song called "Algorithm," and it previewed the new LP. I don't think I heard it. Yeah. So this came out March 15th this oh, year. Oh, jeez. Yeah, right in the, in the mayhem. So, so what he did, I don't know the full story here. But on March 15th, he streamed the new LP as a surprise for 24 hours and then took it down. Oh. Now, apparently, it, it's back up because you can go stream it now. Okay. And I listened to it. So I don't know when like it when went it back, back up or how that worked. I noticed the album cover on there was just white. I think I remember seeing that and I was like, I don't know. What I don't know if that there will be another album cover or if that's what you get. Mm -hmm. um, so it's up again. Uh, the title is 31520. You know, I was listening to a song from this album okay. today. Okay, all right. Unknowingly. Okay. So most of the songs are titled with the timestamp of the songs on the LPs. You know, just at, at, at the 12.38 mark, that's mm -hmm. that's a song, 12.38. Oh. Uh, there's 19.10, and there's 53.49. Uh, there's a lot of others. There's a few songs with titles, uh -huh. Algorithm, a song called Time with Ariana Grande. Oh. I don't like duets very often, right. and I'm probably not a real big pop music person <laughs> from this era i was actually pretty good really yeah i have not listened to yeah, it yeah actually it was pretty good it okay yeah so it wasn't real cheesy or anything like that yeah, yeah i don't i wouldn't even have known it was ariana grande not she's evolved a lot she used to be very very she's still poppy but she's a little more i don't know respected okay <laughs> i don't know how to explain it yeah i thought it was pretty good actually so uh, so that was, uh, I thought it was a pretty good album. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of got an interesting flow to it. It's different. It, you know, it just mm -hmm. shows the uh, creativity he has. And, yeah. And, you know, the guy's just got a real visionary for music. And so I applaud him for, you know, starting off with rap and ex going in, you know, a few mm -hmm. albums with that and then not sticking with that mm -hmm. and trying something new and different and really mm -hmm. stretching his audience. Yeah, he reminds me a lot. I don't think I'll ever give him to you as a study because it's the same kind of thing. Uh -huh. But Kid Cudi, if you've ever heard uh -huh, of that. I've heard of him. Yeah. It's very similar. He started out a lot of rap and then kind of, I don't know, I haven't really kept up, but it's just interesting. Like he's released albums that are kind of almost like the Awaken My Love. And then he released like a really rock and roll album mm. and you just can't keep up. But it's kind of a mark of a really cool artist that like constantly transforms himself. So I'm well, glad you enjoyed. Yeah. So I guess my favorite songs here would be, uh, you know, I said Sober, Summertime Magic and Feels Like Summer. Those are mm -hmm. great songs. Uh, Me and Your Mama. Uh, there's one called Boogeyman that was kind of interesting. Uh, Riot, and then the uh, from the new album 2419, 
42, 26, <laughs> 47, 48. And then 32, 22, it's just sound effect heavy. It was just really interesting mm. and experimental. And so, you know, overall, I just, it was a great voyage in learning how uh, talented Mr. Glover is. And, and I just had no idea he did all those things. Mm -hmm. and so I enjoyed the assignment. It was fun. It was Yay. just, uh, you know, something I would have never done. Exactly. I I figured you'd enjoy the journey a little bit. Yeah, so next one. time I watch Community, I'm going to watch uh, him in a whole new light. It's weird, because yeah. I started watching and I was like, wait, that's Childish Gambino. Yeah. But you're like the opposite way. Yeah. Well, tell us about the B-52s. Oh, boy. I was not sure. Not that I... I, I was very excited for this week, but I've always known the B-52s as the band where you just showed me these weird music videos as a kid and i didn't think the b-52s was popular i didn't know truly until i started studying that other people knew they existed <laughs> like i thought that it was yeah. kind of some underground band i mean i knew that like love shack everyone knows yeah, right. love shack so i knew that they were popular but i don't know i also wanted to start off saying that I made you watch the video beforehand because I wanted you to understand what I was talking about. But if anybody has seen Yes Man and they don't know who the B-52s are, they are exactly like the band that Zoe Deschanel has at the beginning of Yes Man. And they have like six fans and that she knows all their names and she's wrapped in like fishnets and like blindfolds the entire time singing about... Her backup singers are fish or something. Yeah, too, oh, right? yeah. They are, like, in yeah. weird costumes. Yeah. And she did, like, the national anthem on, like, a electric keyboard. And I don't know. It's just, if you can picture that, then you know the B-52s. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. I, I can't get it out of my mind. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I just, that was my very first impression. <laughs> um, and then I started realizing that they're much more of a well-respected band. Yeah. And so, I'll get into that. Um, I'll start by the members. There's five originally. There's four now. We'll get into that. Um, but Cindy Wilson and Ricky Wilson, which are brother and sister. Uh, Kate Pearson, Keith Strickland, and Fred Schneider. Um, they're all kind of similar ages. Not the same, but pretty similar. And I loved everything about how they all met. Have you ever heard this story? Nope. I don't I have oh, no idea. You'll, you'll I know where it. they're from, but I don't know how they met. Yep. So and pretty much any relationship that has met in this little band friend group was interesting. So um, I guess it started with Keith and Fred. Um, Keith was on his way to a street concert of some sort, and they said that he was very like timid and quiet and was more of an introvert but he was going to this concert and he was very excited and he was trying to be outgoing and i mean he was just listening to the music and he was excited and on his way he found a trash can that had a pillow that was like opened up and the stuffing was falling out so he grabbed it and started um <laughs> walking down the street throwing stuffing with everyone and he said it was his fairy dust and so he started throwing the stuffing and acting like he was, like, sprinkling it on everyone. 
and nobody was really into it. I mean, no one really responded. And he was just like, I'm going to this concert and I'm like, no one's dancing. Like everyone's kind of having private conversations. And so I'm going to like sprinkle my fairy dust on everyone. And then he said from far away, he made eye contact with Fred and Fred, of course, was dancing, just grooving along to the music. And he was like, I like that guy. That's the kind of energy I want. So he runs up to Fred and dumps the entire pillow stuffing on him, and they became friends. Wow. That literally, they. I watched an interview, and he said all that, and it was like, and yeah, we became friends. Like, there's like not much more to yeah. it. Wow. So very genuine. Um, and so that's how that started. And then they all met. Um, they're all from Athens, but Georgia. Um, but... They all met in Atlanta at a Chinese restaurant, <laughs> and they all shared a flaming volcano drink. <laughs> and after they all sh- got drunk off of a flaming volcano drink in a ceramic bowl, um, then they all decided to just go do a jam session. And none of them were like, were these really, like, it wasn't like artists that I want to start this band. It was like, they went back to someone's house, and he goes, we didn't even be like, I play guitar. Oh, no way. You play the drums? It was like they all just gravitated towards an instrument once they got to the house, and that's how they established it. Oh, my gosh. Like, there was really no rhyme or reason. And so he goes, oh, yeah, like, we could all pretty much sing or dance or play whatever thing, you know? Like, I think it was, um, I think it was Cindy who was like, she might play the bass or something, but she was like, oh, yeah, but I mean, I like to play the piano, but, you know, that's Keith or something like that. And they just gravitated towards those instruments and started out from there. Um, so that's kind of how it all started. And they had their first concert for their friends a year later on Valentine's Day. And then that's how it began. Um, their name came from their beehive hairdos. <laughs> They said that their beehive hairdos resembled, like, the nose cone of a Boeing B-52 airplane. Okay. And so that's how it began. Wow. They okay. also were toying with the names Tina Trons and <laughs> Fellini's Children, which was a film director. Okay. I don't know. Um, and then what solidified it was um, that Keith had a dream that someone said B-52s to them. And... It was pretty much he was in like a little lounge and they all played organs and had all these crazy hairdos. And someone goes, look, it's the B-52s. And wow. he woke up and was like, all right. That's had a it. vision. He had a vision. Yeah. So it was kind of a ramble. But I think that that's all very important because that's the kind of band they are. Like they totally would start by drinking a vol- flaming volcano sure. drink together. So, yeah. Um, people explain their music as thrift short, thrift store chic and dance and surf music. Um, their first single was Rock Lobster, and it sold 2,000 copies. Um, it became really popular um, in the UK, actually, and they started by playing in London and got signed by Warner Brothers, which they kind of talk about later where they're like, eh, we shouldn't have done that. I don't think it was bad, but they're like, we don't really want to be controlled. And so um, in 1979, they produced their first studio album. And actually, it's very interesting. That album had almost no, like, sound dubs. Like, it's pretty much live. And the 
producer Chris Blackwell was like, I want this to sound very authentic. And so it did. And um, it was a really big success. And actually, from that album, I don't know if it was from that album, but I think it was that time frame that John Lennon actually said that the B-52s were his favorite band. Really? And inspired some of his music, which will... Oh, yeah, it was. I was thinking it was a different song. Yoko Ono has a debut on Rock Lobster. Really? I It might not be the original version. Okay. But there is a version, I guess, that Yoko Ono is on there. And yeah. I was watching an interview today with Fred, and he was playing it, and he goes, oh, there's Yoko. And I was like, I think she does, like, one of the fish noises or something. Oh, really? But apparently, John heard the song in the club and was like, he was with Yoko and was like, oh my gosh, we have to get back in the studio. Like, you're so talented. <laughs> and so that's what got them back into the studio is hearing her on Rock Lobster. Really? And yeah, it's kind of a weird tie. And he goes, oh yeah, we're super close with Yoko. And it's just... Wow, I a, had no idea on that one. It's it's interesting. Mm. And it's kind of funny because you are not a fan of Yoko Ono's music. But... um. <laughs> I don't know. We won't talk about that. Old news. Um, So in 1980, they had their Wild Planet album, and it had a more, quote-unquote, psychedelic and paranoid sound. Um, I love that album. It's great. And Private Idaho became a top number one, or top 100 hit. And I have had Private Idaho stuck in my head for the past week or so. I can't get it out. Well, I just yeah, that has "Party Out of Bounds." Oh, I, I like love that song. That song. And uh, Keish Lorraine. Mm-hmm. Has anybody <laughs> I love seen the "My Dog Died Dark Green"? Uh, and what else is on that album? Oh God! Well, "Give Me Back My Man," which is our, I love. Right? "Give Me Back My Man." <laughs> that is a great one. And, uh, I'll give you fish. Did I'll you see? You uh, yeah, and um, Keish. No, what was the other one? Planet Claire, did you? I forgot to watch the video, but I did watch it live, and it was very weird. Yeah. It was like lots of walkie-talkies and alien <laughs> noises, and they were just all running around the stage acting like they were trying to contact aliens. But it was weird because I watched it when they were older. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's more of a recent concert, yeah. and so they weren't moving as Didn't quite, quickly. Yeah. And, I think I, I should have watched the music video. <laughs> it's something. Yeah, it's just, All right. Yeah. Well, Planet Claire, then. I yeah. need to hit that up after this. Um, in 1982, um, their third album, Whammy, they kind of just switched things up. Like, their drummer was like, I don't want to be a drummer anymore. And so they just switched to, like, a drum machine so he could do something else. Um, and they also switched to a little more vocal tracks because they felt like they weren't dancing enough. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So I they kind of switched their music a little bit so that they could, at least for concerts, um, that they could dance more. Yeah, I remember some of the songs on that one. Uh, Butterbean, I think. And Something <laughs> like that. I don't know it as well as I should. I didn't memorize the albums Give me a plateful and I'll be grateful. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing I love about them is, like, they actually had a lot of success, but this entire time they're like, oh, yeah, well, like, we just came up with, you know, Butterbean, and, I mean, that's just an example, but, like, they come up with these weird, weird songs, but they don't think that they're weird. 
No, and you know, I, I remember, I remember their first album when mm-hmm. it came to the record store. You know, and I used, you just just go to the record store mm-hmm. and you just looked at the covers. The covers were as much as the mm-hmm. music, and you go look at the covers and check them and out. They had cool that. covers. Well, yeah, that first one was just they had that behind hairdos. Uh-huh. And, was that the yellow one? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just remember going by that, huh? And then I ignored it because I didn't even hear, hadn't heard the right. song, and I thought, this is just garbage yeah. or something. I'll never get into this, mm-hmm. and then. There was a local radio station that played classic rock, but they kind of snuck the B-52s. Mm-hmm. It didn't last real long around here, but they snuck on uh, Private Idaho. And I go, that's kind of cool, you know? Yeah, it's a funky sound. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed that, you know, quite a bit. I thought that was yeah. pretty cool. And I bought the album. I thought, I must buy the album. Might as well. And really got into that one. <laughs> There's that a song, <laughs> The Devil in My Car. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just a scary song you know but. it's so weird and <laughs> like i said they're just like oh it's about the environment you know like yeah. not that one but <laughs> yeah like little you'd think that they'd more own up to the fact that they're like we just came up with this random name and whatever but they're like very chill people in like their interviews so yeah, yeah. i don't know huh. um so then in 1985 they all decided to live together. They moved out to a cabin and in like the forest or something. And they were like, yeah, that was a really bad idea. <laughs> uh, because they were like, we were just like not doing a whole lot. And they're like, we weren't creating anything because we're all living together. So it was kind of hurting their ability. Um, and they did like a Rock in Rio concert, which was like their largest concert ever. But the same year... Um, Ricky Wilson died of AIDS, which actually nobody knew except for Keith. Um, he just didn't want to burden anyone. And I tried looking it up because I was like, maybe it was like the same year as like um, Frank Freddie Mercury. Oh, yeah. Just because we had just watched that movie. Yeah. But his was 1991. Okay. Um, in case anyone was curious. So Keith decided to become Ricky's part and just become a full-time guitarist. And they took about, like, a two-year hiatus. I think they released an album that next year. But then after that, they all kind of took some time to mourn and just live their lives a little bit. Um, And then they started writing music again and joined back to release Cosmic Thing. And then they went on a Cosmic Tour. And that was a really big album for them because... Like, the song Channel Z became number one. I love Channel Z. That's one of my favorite pieces. Really? Oh, that is awesome. It's a good song. It's a great song. And what I found interesting was that it was number one on the top modern rock chart. Really? You would never think of their music as modern rock. Yeah. So I found that interesting. But then the second single was Love Shack, which was their top first top sure. 40 song. Oh, yeah. And it reached number three. And... Then the third single was Rome, which got to number three as well. And they kind of, like, those ones kind of got to other charts that made a little more sense with their sound. But the modern rock thing was a confusion one to me. But, I mean, number one, they still got there, which is great. They, um, and they were all over MTV by that mm-hmm. time. I mean, they had other videos, you know, you, you would see, but boy, those just yeah. were like They won kick. a lot of MTV awards, and yeah. it, pretty much it was like, they topped the charts. They had international success. They did a world tour. They were on the cover of Rolling Stone. Like, 1988 was their year. Um, and apparently, Australia loved the B-52s. Oh, really? Huge 
huge success in Australia. That's interesting. And yeah. it kind of makes me love Australia even more. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Australia. So, um, yeah, they loved Love Shack. And so when they went over there for like a tour or something, I guess it was like already playing. Like, I don't know how they exactly found out about it, but like it was popular. And so then each member was kind of getting featured in like other bands and other songs. And they were topping the charts like the Shiny Happy People by Mm -hmm. R.E.M. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And they're kind of just doing their own thing, but it wasn't like a normal band's branching out. And it was kind of like in Sticks where they're guitarist was like i'm just gonna go do this and that's gonna make him happy and it'll be okay so in 1990 and on for a little bit like cindy wilson took some time off and this lady named julie came and took her place for another album and they were in a lot of shows and movies they made a couple show debuts but their music was in a lot of shows and movies Um, they were in the Flintstones movie. They were in the Flintstones movie. When they, they call were them? in. They oh. called them the. I meant to write it down, oh, but I did yeah. read that. They had a they had a Flintstoneish name to the band. I can't remember what it is. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, they kind of released like a very politically charged album in 1990, um, and then they were very environmentally cautious. So they were kind of talking about that as well. Um, so Cindy rejoined the band in 1996, um, and so I'm assuming that means Julie was out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think she ever made the cut, um, but I don't know anything about her. And then in 2002, they released the B-52's Universe, the essential guide to the world's greatest party band, <laughs> their first and only biography book. <laughs> and I like would kind of like to have that on my shelf, honestly. Yeah. I just bought a new bookshelf, so... I feel like that would be kind of <laughs> <Might>, cool. <laughs> might need to put that in there, huh? Yeah. Um, and at the same time, they were opening for like Cher and the Rolling Stones. And that's when I kind of started to realize. I was like, oh, like people knew about them. Like, I mean, yeah, I figured that out when they were top yeah. 100, all the charts everywhere, you know. But like they were big. And then in 2008, they released Funplex. I bought that single on iTunes. Did you? I remember that. I yeah. remember hearing it. It sounds very familiar to yeah, me. Yeah, it's a song about going to the mall. I Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's the only song off the album I heard. But. Yeah. Um, Fred explained it to be loud, sexy rock and roll with the beat turned up to hot pink. <laughs> so. That sounds like them. Yeah, but it was their second best-selling album. Funplex was? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, you know, I'll probably have to listen to that. I just, I remember hearing the single, and I thought, ah, download that. That's kind of fun. That's yeah. kind of in the, in the uh, private Idaho category. Yeah. You know, it was a little bit more polished, but it was. Uh, that's what I like about those first two albums. They are just so raw. Yes. And like I said, they recorded them live. They wanted it to be that way. Yeah. And they are, and they're just. I mean, man, when you listen to, the first time you ever listened to Rock Lobster, I mean. When they start going over all the, the animals. Fish noises. Yeah, the fish noises, the killer whale and the screaming. and It's just so funny to me because watching them perform those live, they're literally just like squeal. Like, I watched a concert of theirs and back in the day, and it's just so funny that like their crowd looked like the crowd from <laughs> Yes Man, and just with more people. And they were all just like 
going so hard and they were literally making squealing like whale noises and the fans were like yes and i don't know it's just so funny to me and i'm really i appreciate that people took them so seriously yeah and like they had really hardcore fans so yeah they were i think they were big on college campuses back then yes. i know they were big on college radio stations they kind of turned into a college radio band once they hit that like surfer vibe well, and they, you know, and I think they were close to REM. You know, REM came from uh, Athens too. Oh, really? Okay, they talked about REM a lot. I just yeah. kind of figured so they all they, kind of merged at around the uh-huh. same time, and they kind of have similar uh, vibes. Mm-hmm. I always think that they're the same. If I hear Shiny Happy People, I'm like B52s. Yeah, they they definitely have their own, totally their own sound and kind of yeah. Also, the thing. voices are like very distinct. If you hear one person from B52, you think it's the whole band. So, um, pretty much. There's not too much information after that. They have gone on some tours. They've lost a few touring members. Like, they haven't lost any band members, but a few people were like, I don't really feel like touring anymore. So, because mm-hmm. they have a larger band with them to yeah. for a broader sound, mm-hmm. I imagine, like a lot of bands do. Yep. And I mean, no plans of breaking up. They're kind of just like living their life. And they, I know they've all gone on some like solo things and um i meant to look into those a little bit more but i did watch an interview i think with cindy um like a from like two years ago or mm-hmm. three years ago and yeah i don't know but i got a few fun facts okay um, let's hear them so everyone is vegetarian except for cindy okay um yeah none of these facts really matter but they're kind of mm-hmm. um uh, so all the male members in the band are gay, and Fred said his voice sounds like a gay chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that was a funny, like, description. Um, oh, I talked about the Yoko Ono. Um, apparently, they recently changed the name of their band grammatically, and they took out the po- uh, apostrophe after B-52 and the S, um, because it was grammatically incorrect. <laughs> But they did it for the Funplex album. That was the, like every other album had has it. The apostrophe. Has the apostrophe, and then people were like, "That's not right." And so they corrected their they grammar. They corrected huh? their grammar. Wow. Yeah. And well done. May I haven't checked to see if any of this has leaked since, but apparently when they were all living in the house together, I looked up. I literally googled, "Did the B 52s use drugs?" Because. They had to. Like, they had to have been. (laughs) But they never talked about it. And Uh I was like, I just want to know what they're up to. You know? Mm -hmm. I I don't care. But I didn't find much results from that. But pretty much it said that when they were all living in the house together, Cindy said that, um, she goes, there was some psychedelic times. Um, And apparently Keith has a lot of videos of all of them, like, creating music and just doing whatever while they were on drugs at the house and she goes we haven't seen those videos she goes but we know he has them and i she's like i don't know if those will ever get leaked and i'm just curious you know i don't she wasn't like scared she was just like who knows Hmm. so that was kind of b52 yeah yeah i'm glad you got got to take a little deeper look in that yeah Yeah. i mean i still loved all my favorite songs Mm -hmm. like private idaho rock lobster it was all the hits but Planet Claire was fun, um, and I don't know. I don't really have any honorable mentions. I liked it all as a total. It's fun, or it's funny when it comes up on, you know, just kind of when mm-hmm. I'm playing in the car and it's just all on shuffle. And there are times when I go, yeah, let's, I'll crank up 
you know, a mm-hmm. few B-52 song. I don't have a whole bunch on there, but, uh, and there's other times I go, no, this is not the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I am not in the mood. It's a very specific vibe. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't blame you. Yeah. It's not, not an everyday thing. It you isn't. How to be in the right mood for that. So there's a lot of times I skip over them just because I go, it's just not time. <laughs> You're like, I'm not in the headspace <laughs> no, for this I right now. No, I am not. So, yeah, well, we've got next week coming up, and so we're going to do our reveal. Yes. Yeah, so let's see. Uh, I think it's your turn to... Okay. I have a fun little one because, uh, spoiler alert, I'm moving. Um, And so I'm also buying a new microphone, so if anybody listens to our next episode and it sounds weird, we're, we're doing our best. We're going to try to do it from separate separate homes for the first time. I'm just giving the disclaimer. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do some test runs, but yeah, yeah, it may have a different vibe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm doing this one. I know I gave you a boy band yeah. recently, but these are like a slightly different boy band, um, but I couldn't decide which one, so I'm going to put them all into oh, a hat. Oh, yeah. I was wondering what you're doing with the hat. I yeah, didn't know if I, I got to keep the hat or... I have three different okay. bands in this hat, and I just want you to stick your hand in. Really? And, yep. And that's this the one you're going to real interactive. I, that's why I had to do it this week, because okay. I, we might not be together yeah. next time. Okay, all right. Okay, don't look. I'm not look. Yeah. Okay, but make sure you only grab one. Uh, feel it out. I there. one? Yes. Okay. What is that? Oh, uh, That's Blink, the one I wanted you Blink to get. Blink 182. I've heard of them. I'm so, uh, It's a them, makes, right? Yes. Okay. That makes me so happy, because I wanted to give them to you. But there was also other ones that fit into the same category. So I had, in this category, Blink-182, Simple Plan. I don't know them. And All-American Rejects. Heard of them. They're kind of, I would say... This is, not even knowing, this is the one I would have chosen. Yeah, absolutely. I explain all these bands as, like, the pop punk of, like, my early childhood. Okay. And um, they're a little different than, like, One Direction or Fall Out Boy. I think you'll actually really like Blink-182. I'm excited for you to have them. Well, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard of Blink-182. I've been jamming to them a lot lately. Have you? I have. Well, cool. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this will be fun. Okay. I'm glad you picked them. Anyways. Well, for you, you're going to stay in the 80s. Okay. Because, you know, of the uh, primary time. you got a band this week again. But we're going to stick in the 80s primarily. And this band... Uh, is very fun. Okay. And they're a little more polished than the B-52s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so have you ever heard of Huey Lewis and the News? I've heard of them. Yeah, Huey Lewis and the News. I think this is the first band that I haven't been like, yes. Like, yeah. I don't actually know anything about them. Yeah, so uh, I got some, yeah, some things to say about that. I really, a band I like. Okay. And um, what else can I say? Don't ignore the first two albums. <laughs> okay. Okay. And don't ignore those. And then they went to enormous popularity mm-hmm. and kind of some interesting news recently. But um, okay. Yeah, and they went through some changes as most bands do. But yeah, the, really tune into the '80s. But don't don't forget those first two albums too. Okay, we'll not abandon them. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I'm I'm very excited. A new challenge. Yeah. So a lot of people from my era will remember them. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely heard of them. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, so next week we have Blink-182, Huey Lewis and the News. 
It might even sound different with two microphones. Yeah, you know, it might sound better. Who yeah, knows? who knows? That's, that's the hope. Yeah, we're always, we're evolving here. Yeah, we're just technologically advanced. Yeah. All right. All right. Catch well, you next week. Next week. See ya. Bye.